Well, uh, hey, Mike. Hey, well, hey, Colin. Welcome to our show. Episode 52, we decided, right? We decided that, yeah. I oh, guess yeah. The, the final uh, decider will be whatever the MySQL auto increment primary key is, but. Oh, boy. Uh, I thought, don't we increment by two? Oh, that's right. No, I changed that code. Oh, good. Um, for for this this table, so. Okay. Um, how's the the exciting week been? It's not that exciting. You have healthcare now. I had healthcare before. Oh yeah, but now it's better, more expensive. Yeah, but better. I don't know. I I um I only bring it up because I think um as indie developers slash former freelancers slash whatever people who have not have spent large parts of adulthood outside of their traditional corporate healthcare world. Um, I think it's exciting, you know, for a lot of us, for us and a lot of our friends. Yeah, I agree. Um, Um, And it's good and not even cost wise necessarily, but complexity, like, you know, the process of buying personal healthcare has always been a little vague. And I think just having a clearinghouse, if nothing else, is a good first step. So I'm excited. I mean, yeah. It's so, not bad. Yeah. So sign up wherever you may be. Um, there's been a lot of stuff that's happened since the last time we talked. It's been like a month. So um, I got an iPhone. I got a new iPhone. It's pretty nice. Is it? iOS 7. Is it better than the last one? Um, yeah. It, I mean, uh, it's twice. It's 64-bit. So, That's twice as many bits. Yeah. I mean, uh, when I send emails now, they... Uh, I can send emails that have numbers larger than 4 billion in them. I don't think that's actually... I mean, I, I actually do think that's true, but I don't think the opposite is... Oh. The inverse is true. Yeah, I only I only tested it on the iOS seven. Oh, okay. I just pushed the keys a bunch of times. Pretty sure that's how it works. Um No, it's nice. I like it. It's fine. The camera's really nice. You're gonna dump all your other cameras now? I mean I still have my digital SLR. That... I mean it seems like that's the that's the most interesting thing about every new iPhone. Yeah. Is constantly measuring it against the other camera that you never take anywhere. Right. I mean that my digital SLR goes out maybe once a quarter, you know, when there's a family get together. Um, do you, do you guys plan your family get togethers on, on the, you know, the yeah, Gregorian yeah, yeah. quarter system or your financial quarter? Yeah, it's a financial. So like, you know, okay. we're coming up so. on our, our uh, Q2 meeting. Okay. Um, we're going to talk about profit loss statements um it's good i like it and, and, and the digital slr definitely you know it is better when you're in the zone where you're consciously thinking about taking good photos i would say which is all you think about because when you're not taking photos you're thinking about why the fuck you're carrying this heavy fucking thing everywhere yes um pretty much you know especially with the big lens on the front and and there are lots of situations where it's definitely not as good as the iphone like you know my in a bar yeah my well that in general but my walking around lens on my digital slr is like an f3.5 at its widest zoom and it goes down to an f5.6 at zoom and so in low light situations even with the iso cranked i think my iphone does a better job 
Yeah. Um, and, you know, I never shoot video on the digital SLR because I don't, I don't know. There's only so many times you can rack focus on something. I don't know. Um, so it's, it's nice. I, you know, I'm not quite ready to get rid of the DSLR, but it's pretty impressive. Yeah. Hmm. I would totally like if there was a, uh, you know, Amazon prime for digital SLR rentals, you know, where you could get one within a day or two for a flat fee, you know, you get 10 rentals a year or something. I'd do that. Yeah. Someone should do that. I mean, there's the, there aren't companies that do things like that. Yeah. It just feels like the the lens rentals and stuff and they do cameras as well, don't they? Yeah. I just think they're targeted at a different sort of market. Yeah. They're targeted. People who want to like test it. Like a, Right. Before they buy a Leica. Right. I mean, I would, I, you know, I'm happy to get a Rebel with a sort of crappy lens on it, you know. Yeah, I'd want a, I'd want a nice setup if I was going to not, you know, if you're amortizing the cost over not owning it yeah. and a bunch of other people not owning it too, I'd prefer to get something halfway decent. But I don't know. I mean, it seems like someone could do that. Someone yeah. must do that. Let us know who does that. Yeah, definitely. I would totally be on board with that. Um, but, oh, well. Oh, and I, I sold my old iPhone to Gazelle again. Have you ever used them? I have not. It's... Although I looked the other day because my girlfriend was making fun of me because I, uh, um, I have a couple iPhones just sitting around not doing anything. Um, and it turns out they're actually, I thought they were going to be worth like 40 bucks in Gazelle. And then I was going to be like, ugh, whatever. But they're worth like 150 bucks. Yeah. I should get rid of those. Yeah, I mean, I got with the... Because I, I always get them in the form of an Amazon gift card because they give you an extra 10% or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and, or 5%, I think. So I got for my iPhone 5, which was a 16 gig base Verizon model uh, that was you know pretty beat up. I got 330 bucks. That's not bad. Which is, you know... Cool. Now, what would Apple have given you? Um, they were in the 250 range, I think. Okay. So enough to be worth the extra trouble. Yeah, and Gazelle makes it really easy. They ship you the box. You put your thing in the box. You put it back in the mail. Yeah. Um, so that's what I've done with my last few phones, and I've been very happy with it. Um, and it's always, you know, it's always around this time of year, so I end up with a three hundred thirty dollars Amazon gift card that I can use for Christmas gifts. And mm-hmm. um, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. You know, their pricing on everything else is pretty pretty bad it's you know because i've looked at macbooks and things um and i think it's just you know probably harder for them to shift them in volume um, sure with these iphones i imagine they're sort of bundling up a thousand of them or something and shipping them overseas yeah um, hmm. so it's easier to you know eat and to absorb a couple bad units and things in the, the kind of scale they do with iphones i imagine so that makes sense Anyways, if if you have a phone sitting around, though, um, you know stuff like that's definitely worth doing. Um, mm. What else is cool with the iPhone? Um, I mean, Touch ID is neat. Like it, it does what it says on the tin. Um, it works. You just sort of leave your thumb there after you press the home button, and it unlocks itself. Um, I was not one who ever used a passcode, and I know you, you didn't. You do, yeah. That's crazy talk. So now I use a passcode, and and this makes it easy enough that it hasn't really negatively impacted my workflow. I don't know. Hmm. Nice. Um, so, it, yeah, it works exactly how it's supposed to. Um, 
otherwise the phone's pretty much unchanged you know it's fast but i thought ios 7 on my 5 was pretty plenty fast so um hmm. so i came up with i came up with an i i mean i'm all i'm always coming up with iphone app ideas but i came up with one that we got to do what's that but I'll, I'll tell you later oh okay this is a secret ah it doesn't have to be a secret huh I want to make a googly eye app. So you point your camera at something and it does the facial recognition that's built in. Yeah. And it just puts googly eyes where their eyes were. Oh my god. Yeah, cat would be all over that. She would give you a dollar ninety nine, you know. And then that. and then you use the built in physics engine. Yeah. So that when they move their head, the eyes stick to their eyes, but the pupils are like Physics-driven? Yeah. Googleized? Yeah. 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 That okay. is actually a pretty good idea. Okay. Do we have to delete this now? Um, no, you just, you know, got to get, get going. You just get it out before the end of the day? Yeah. Okay. Review times are down to an hour, right? Whatever. This sounds like sample code to me. Yeah, pretty much. Actually, yeah. Um, something just came across The Verge that... Uh, this sort of ties into a topic we have coming up, but Adobe's apparently had a major cyber attack um, and has lost 2.9 million customer records. What? Wait, this is on our thing? Well, well no, but we were going to talk about Photoshop and Creative Cloud later, um, and I just saw that they've had a big hack and have lost, among other things, customer names, encrypted credit card and debit card numbers, encrypted ex- or expiration dates. So wait, they didn't lose them. Well, they didn't. Well, they 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 lost a they they, they gave away a copy of it. Yes, yes, okay. to someone who they didn't mean to give a copy to. Okay. Well, I mean, as long that's probably fine, right? Yeah, I mean, as long as they did. As long it. as they're well encrypted. Yeah. But they're obviously. I mean, it's obviously not a one-way hash because they have to be able to decrypt them to run your credit card every month. So. True. It's a matter of whether the hackers also got like decryption keys. Mm. We will see, I guess. Watch your credit card statements. PCI compliant. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we can't, you know. Ugh. Okay. What a mess. Um so I think the thing I'm probably the the pers- well, okay, let's back up. So the iPhone 5S is relatively, you know, the same as a 5. There's nothing hugely revolutionary right now. The things I'm most excited about um, are, one, seeing what people start to do with the quote-unquote M7 chip in it, and then two, um, and I guess this isn't unique to the 5S, but to any sort of modern iPhone running iOS 7, is what people do with iBeacons, which is something in our list. Yeah. Do you want to tell people what iBeacons are? iBeacons are Apple's in like response to near field communication, NFC stuff, I think. That's kind of how I yeah. think of it. So the idea behind an iBeacon is it's you take the transmitter part of a Bluetooth low energy chipset. And instead of putting anything interesting behind it, you just like turn it on. And the phone looks for these transmitters, and each of the transmitters has an ID. 
and it just goes, oh, I'm near a thing with this ID. And that's kind of, and then built into the OS as ways to, you know, wait until like low power ways to say, let me know when I get near the following, you know, 22 IDs, or let me know when, um, you know, I'm within three feet of any ID or, you know, so various location specific, very specific, um, triggers basically in the OS. Right. And not passing a lot of data around on that particular link, but assuming that you pass an ID or something and then can get more data out of band through the device's cell phone connection. Or... Right. So it's a wireless QR code. Right. That's a good way of putting it. Or a wireless barcode. Um, and so there's there's been two uses of this already that I think are interesting. The first, um, Apple just sort of snuck into an update to the Apple TV and then put a support document up, which is if you're running an Apple TV with the newest version of the OS and you're running iOS 7, you can set up your Apple TV by just tapping your iPhone onto it. Um, and what it's doing is, you know, looking at the tap is essentially not doing anything, but what it's doing is doing an iBeacon to trigger a transfer of your Wi-Fi and iTunes information from the Apple TV or from the iPhone to the Apple TV. Yeah, so how do you think... So do you think this is actually iBeacons? I don't. I, I actually don't think it is iBeacons. I think it's just an, an interesting use of Bluetooth low energy without any pairing or anything, but it's something that could be done sort of with iBeacon. I mean, it's the iBeacon radios and everything. It is. That's my understanding. Okay. Because it seems to me... Okay. This is where, I mean, I guess they could do that. They could have everything first time it hits your eye. But no, because it's not connected to iCloud or anything. So right. there's no way to, I guess every single new Apple TV could broadcast the same beacon ID. Right. And But do you have to launch an app on the phone? Um, I don't think so, but I, I was just going to look at that article. Very weird. I don't, yeah, I think this is a different but similar technology. Yeah, I think it, it may just be Bluetooth low energy. Or just regular Bluetooth. Well, right, I mean, but it, there's no pairing or anything, and it's definitely, like, proximity-based. Yeah. I don't know. Weird. Yeah. Well, the other one, which definitely is iBeacon, is the pilot that Apple's doing with MLB to put iBeacons in Major League Baseball stadiums mm -hmm. so that you can get really specific location-based um, stuff as you walk around a baseball stadium. Yeah. And, and this has a lot of cool you know, ramifications for museums and anything where either GPS doesn't work or GPS isn't accurate enough. Um, yeah, I mean, I could see this... It just, yeah, it would be really nice. The problem with it compared to something like QR codes, if you were like on a system that had built-in QR code functionality, like Android, like Android, you can just point your phone at a QR code and it does something, right? I think, I'm not sure actually. Um, whereas on Mac, I know you have to like download an app and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, but what would be nice is if there was a way to do, I don't know, I guess you don't want to be able to let people pop up a notification on someone's phone. Right. If you're Apple. 
Um, I mean, one thing I can see these becoming very fun for is um, trade shows. Like how? Well, because you can actually like, you know, everyone within, you know, a large percentage of the people are packing smartphones now. Mm-hmm. They are downloading an app before they go to the trade show. And then, you know, most people are renting various equipment for their booth from, you know, the central provider. So you could do things like, you know, when you're in a booth and you open the NAB app, it says like, oh, do you want any of the literature from this company or would you like them to contact you later? Or Yeah, or just bookmark this. You know, they sent you a um, coupon code. Would you like to store it in your passbook? Yeah. I mean, that'd be awesome. Um, games seem like the logical thing for this. Yeah, I'm not sure what the what the hardware side looks like. Do you have a sense of that? Like what they're using in MLB or... So what Apple wants you to use is another iPad or an iPhone. Okay. Um, that's their solution. They're like, yeah, just, you know, buy 22 phones and stick them where you want them. And well, every touches. time one gets stolen, buy another one. We've got, we'll keep making them. <laughs> you keep buying them. Um, but my understanding is that a number of people have sort of made, I'm not sure how blessed they are sure. by the system, but they've made like basically, you know, $20 throwaway chipsets, like little boards. Cool. Um, we'll see if, I don't know what most people are using though. Yeah. I think it's exciting. I, I'd love to see something like this roll out. I mean, I, I've always been a big fan of NFC if someone could do the sort of soup to nuts part of it right. So, um, yeah. If I wonder what the really power good. requirements are if you're not doing it on a phone. Yeah. Like, if you're making specialized, you know, because there's not a lot of, all, I mean, the transmitting part's the only hard part, right. power wise. But it's very, very low power. Right. But I mean, can you stick like a, you know, one of those six volt lantern batteries on a small board and have it run for five years? Probably. Because then you can get a sort of like, you know, geocache type things where you chuck them somewhere and. Yeah. Yeah. What, hey, what happened to that article? Hmm. Just... I don't know. It seems like there's good stuff coming. It's definitely an interesting technology. Yeah. I mean, because the, the, the other cool thing is iPhones can be, you know, like I just said, like not only can you buy an iPhone and like stick it in a closet somewhere, in a wiring closet near the artwork, um, you can also like turn on and off IDs on all of these, on any consumer handset too. So you can actually like, you know, at a, you know, say you're at a big event, you could have some sort of app where, you know, two people say, we want to get together sometime this week. And then, like, they both start broadcasting that beacon ID for that meetup. Yeah. And then if you're within, you know, the 30 feet range or whatever, any time that week, like at a trade show, you're walking around and be, oh, look, we're both at the same party. Let's go grab that drink. 
Um, so yeah, so you can do both the receiving side and the transmitting side from any phone. And that's, I don't know, I think there's lots of interesting possibilities with that when you start having these like micro locations that are people Absolutely. that can move. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I really hope it does get rolled out further. Um, the, you know, and I mentioned the other thing I'm excited about is the, uh, the M7 chip, which... Yeah. Explain that to people. So the M, you know, up until now in the iPhone, um, anything, so we, we've had sort of um, accelerometers, we've had gyroscope, GPS, um, all these different sensors, but in order to use them, you, you write software that sort of accesses them through an API, and that is all done through the main processor of the, of the phone, the A6 chip or whatever. Um, starting in iOS 7, they've basically built a separate chip in that caches all the information coming off of those sensors. Um, and, and so not only can you ask for the acceleration now, you can ask for it like two hours ago. Right. And so there's this very, very low power chip that can basically be running all the time, logging all this information. Um, and then when you launch your software or, you know, some background process dumps the data from that, um, every time the phone ac enters an active state, um, you get all that information. And so the, the first thing I've seen shipped is an app, um, I think called Pedometer or called Pedometer Plus or something that uses that data so that it doesn't, the app itself doesn't have to stay running. Um, it doesn't have to keep your phone awake, but it can pull all of your pedometer data. Um, but I think it has, again, a lot of, you know, interesting possibilities because up until now, anything that needed that sort of information meant you would have a really, really bad battery life. Um, right. So Google, for example, did their, um, I forget what their app was called, to sort of wander around a city and we'll periodically let you know when you're near something cool. Mm, I don't know. Um, I forget what that was called, but it, you know, at least on my, I think this was on my 4S at the time, or maybe it was on my 5, but it meant I had, you know, two hours of battery life on the phone. Right. But that, I mean, that's still going to be true. Like, this won't make GPS power efficient. No, but, you know, I think they may be able to do some amount of dead reckoning because they get accelerometer. They get accelerometer, they get gyroscope, and they get compass. Hmm. Um, and I then, suppose. You know, I think the power changes in iOS 7 mean periodically firing up GPS is a lot more reasonable. Hmm. Or, or I, I, that's not true. Firing up the GPS has the same cost, but um, you can have an app that fires Does up do at, it. at times that are more appropriate in terms of power consumption. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how people use it beyond just the obvious of a pedometer. Um, right. New Fitbits. Yeah, exactly. Um, and the M7 chip itself potentially gives you a lot of indication as to what Apple's thinking in terms of other wearables they might doing be doing. Um, we shall see. Yeah. So, anyways, I, iPhone 5S, iOS 7, two thumbs up. Yeah, it's good stuff. It's all fine. Totally fine. I want new laptops, though, and Mac Pros. They should ship mm. those. Yeah. Um, speaking of... Actually, um, so the coolest thing on the iPhone 
5s in terms of like features that are just pretty awesome is the high speed mode of the camera the fact that it can shoot 120 frames a second um it's the thing that definitely like impresses people the most when you show them um and it's a lot of fun and yeah and so you have a link to a kickstarter project for a higher speed camera yeah so this is like a 5000 the idea is it's gonna they want it to be like five grand under five grand and it is a, you know, what are they saying? 17,000, almost 18,000 frames per second when you get down to 192 by 96. But like, you know, they're in HD-ish frame sizes, 700 frames a second. Hmm. So it's pretty good. Um and it's, you know, they've got some videos up. It's definitely slow. Slow-mo when yeah. they play it. Um, it looks interesting. So I don't know. Are they using an off-the-shelf sensor and just sort of piecing bits together? That's what it looks like. Um, I mean, they don't say too much in the Kickstarter, but... It, I mean, it looks to be, you know, they've got a thing here. Of the, I'm looking to see if they have anything else about it. I don't think they do. Um, but, yeah, it seems like it's going to be interesting. I'm not sure. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things that, like, you know, it doesn't seem like they're going to have that long... I mean, there's, so, so, I, I mean, it's cool. High speed's cool. Right. This seems like more targeted at, it's not targeted at filmmakers. No, I guess, I mean, YouTube filmmakers. Right. But I mean, maybe. the resolution's not good enough at the high frame rates to be usable. And if you've got, you know, a Sony F55 or something, you get 240 frames a second of usable high speed. Right. You know. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. I don't remember what the the Phantom Muros cost, but they're not oh. that far off from this, are they? I think they're about twelve, aren't they? Okay. So it's more expensive, but those are definitely more of a filmmaking camera. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I'm a little confused where this is meant to go, but it does seem like I don't know. It just seemed interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's at least they're a lot further along than the digital Bolex was um, when they mm-hmm. sought crowdfunding, which is good to see. Yeah. Um, so, I, you know, I guess they've already met their funding goal, so this will be funded, and I hope they actually build it and ship it. What are they targeting for a ship date? Um, April. So that's ambitious. <laughs> that's ambitious, but, I mean, they have one built already. It looks yeah. like they're not... Purchasing components, assembly, machining. Yeah, so basically they're... Looks like they're ready. Yeah. They've tested a production run already. So... They're just looking to, you know, put it into production. Yeah. Which is good, you know? I think that'll be... I don't know. Looks fun. Not much else to say about it. Yeah. Cool. Um, 
But you're not backing it? No, okay. I don't need a high-speed camera. Um, do you need a cheap 4K camera? I'll just throw, throw a link in. Sony announced the AX1, which has a sticker price of, what was the sticker price? It's cheap. Um, I don't see it. Uh, $4,500. That's not bad. So, and, and it's in a, yeah, it's sort of an EX1 style form factor. Yeah. Um, shoots 4K to SD cards. So. To a single SD card, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. To, yes. <laughs> it didn't have to, it wasn't that you used to have to qualify that, but right. thank you, JVC. Yeah. <laughs> um, shoots 4K to 17 SD cards. <laughs> um, anyways, it's, you know, it's cool. Again, it's a camera. People can use it. There's not too much else to say about it. Uh, yeah. It's nice, though. I mean, I've always liked that form factor. Oh, I love that form factor. Yeah. I just, I wish they hadn't killed their rotating hand grip. And I don't, I haven't heard a good explanation of why, although I guess a lot of people didn't like that. But that was my favorite thing yeah, about I never... the, the early EX1s. Hmm. Um, I guess they ditched it on the EX1R. But yeah, I love that feature. Um, so yeah, we should get one yeah um you want to talk 3d stuff you want to talk drugs yeah, let's talk uh let's talk 3d i guess okay um by far I, the three sweep project was out of cigarette cigarette asia yeah. cigarette asia yes yeah. so this wasn't at the cigarette you went to no um, but this is, at least in terms of a YouTube demo of software, one of the cooler things I've seen in a while. Definitely, yeah. This is a fun demo. Um, it's also, I think, a good example of how they're they're really drawing, they're doing cool stuff with innovative research, but they're also drawing upon a lot of pre-existing research. And I think it's a really good example of that. Like um, the video does a good example of talking through when they're using other bits of research for their patch matching and that kind of thing. Yeah, it's getting to the point now where it's definitely very, it's research all the way down Yeah, with these sort of demos now. And so the idea with this is you basically draw, you're, you're hinting very broadly what shapes you want to extract from 3D just enough so that then their algorithms can pull the full shape. And texture map it and yeah. everything else. Yeah. And, and yeah, and then use things like the patch matching fill to reconstruct textures on sides of an object that aren't in a in a single image. Um, yeah, it's pretty slick. Yeah, um, I don't know. I haven't heard whether this is gonna you know get rolled into Photoshop or anything, but it's certainly the sort of thing you could see. Um, yeah, it definitely. There's definitely a use for it. Yeah. I mean, it's obviously, you know, you can't, you can't take something and spin it 180 degrees and expect it to be perfect on the back if the back of the actual object Unless is Unless it's different. radially symmetrical. Yeah. But um, if you need to sort of build an archive of shapes and adjust them slightly to match a camera angle or something, or just distort them slightly based on a different focal length. Um, yeah. No, it's, it's great for that. Like, oh, look, we took 15 shots of junk and we need them all in the same photo now. Right. Yeah, I I really do hope that this goes somewhere and ends up in in an application that's accessible to all of us. Uh, I think it will. Oh, I think so too. I mean, it seems close enough. 
Yeah, it definitely does. Um, the more esoteric thing, I guess, uh, into the 3D space was this um, Elon Musk article from The Verge about uh, SpaceX. And we, we talked about SpaceX's magical 3D world thing a couple weeks ago. They have a little video demo. It's a little oh, silly. I didn't watch this. Oh, so Is it good? Well, you it's know. It's the thing we've talked about before. Yeah, they've got software pulling together a lot of different hardware components we've talked about. So they use Elite Motion um, for yeah. manipulating 3D objects. And then they have an Oculus Rift f- for exploring objects. And they have a projector-based thing, probably with a Kinect or something for you know manipulating objects. I... Just like we talked about when this first came up before there was a video or anything, it's pretty clear that this is the sort of thing that they use for demoing, but that engineers don't actually use for designing parts for spaceships. Well, not for doing the CAD part, but probably for looking at them. Yeah, probably. And talking them through and thinking about, like, I wonder which way we should lay this thing down on the bed when we're milling it. Yeah. Yeah, it seems cool. I don't know. Yeah, it's... Um... You know, I, I, someday I, we're gonna have to crack 3D. Yeah, I mean, and it's neat that they're pulling together, you know, real components um, or you know, components that anyone can use. Maker components, yeah, you know, yeah. Um, speaking of leap motion, HP showed off a laptop at some expo or something with leap motion built in. Yeah, whatever. Which, yeah, I kind of, kind of don't care about that. Yeah, it's not doesn't change how relevant they are. It's going to be awesome for like flipping through your PowerPoint deck though. True. So there's that. Once everybody ships support for one laptop on Windows. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well. Uh-huh. It's, it's a win for the Leap guys. Good for yeah, them. Absolutely. I mean, that was one of my, I mean, that's also one of my huge complaints about their spin up was that they like, a year and a half ago now, we're like, we need help from the little guy. And then as soon as we basically fronted them a shit ton of money, they went, oh, wait, HP is interested. Fuck off. We got to work with them for a while. Yeah. We'll get you your unit totally soon. You know, so that sucked. But I'm glad the, the whole, I'm glad it worked out. It's always good, you know, when you cheat on your, cheat on your wife, get divorced, it's, you know, it's, it's good when they when they get married, you know, afterwards. Yeah, yeah. I, I often hear from ex-wives saying, oh, well, I'm glad it all worked out. Exactly. At least, you know, at least something good came of it. <laughs> they married their mistress. Also, do you have any food? <laughs> what? Never mind. I don't get that one. Um, yeah, uh, I'm not bullish on Leap Motion, but it is what it is. It's a neat idea, and they can't. They need to fix some stuff. Yeah. I'm totally going to take mine out of the box someday. <laughs> so, I enjoyed playing with the other one. It's not like I didn't have a good time with it for a week. It's just that I played with it for a week before I got mine. And then I, you ruined all the fun. I did. I'm sorry. I didn't even get to unbox the other one. Aww. Oh, well. Um, I can't help you. Mm, I don't need help. Okay. What do you think about... Um, digital juice <laughs> so this was funny tell this us about this just a couple of days ago so digital juice they make those like things you buy with the junk that you can put into your project um so like i need a ranch transition 
Yeah. I don't. Yeah. Do they do? Te- I mean, I think like video texture, like the, sort of noise and shit. Yeah, I think of them as the guys who do like light leaks and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, or you know transitions, and so people have said for a while that Digital Juice steals other people's content and repurposes it. So other companies that do the same thing. They sort of go in and yoink a few of theirs and stick them on their DVD to pad it out um, with a new name. And, you know, people have done fairly good side-by-side comparisons and said, yeah, this looks similar. Um, But this one is much funnier because what happened was they stole like one of these just like trash effects where, you know, it's designed to look like crap like something broke, like your TV stopped working or something. So one of these like glitch, you know, yeah. glitch art things. And the, the, apparently the company was smart enough um, to put their, I mean, either they just used one of their random, um, so it's rampant design is the company this clip was stolen from. And either they were smart enough to watermark their footage or they just like had to choose something to start with for the garbaging up the shot. And so they chose like their logo. (laughs) But anyways, if you pause on certain frames in this glitch, you see this other company's name written on screen. So it's yeah, does not reflect well. It's hard to deny that 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 you put that in, you know. You you would have to make a tough sell saying like no no we we made this clip we just put our competitors we're paying homage <laughs> because it was our way of saying that their effects look trashy yeah. I don't know so yeah so this is probably not going to end incredibly well for Digital Juice um, yeah I don't remember oh you know IP theft is a tough one so I don't know I mean, yeah. we'll see if Rampant either even goes after them I mean I'm sure they'll send some pissy emails back and forth but yeah it's interesting because digital juice has been around since 1992 i mean they started doing video toaster products and and so it seems sort of strange i don't you know maybe they've always sort of gotten by doing this kind of thing um, i mean it's it sounds like it's not the first time no no i remember about six months ago someone proving a yeah. similar thing yeah um, and it wasn't, as you said, it wasn't quite as obvious, but you could sort of put theirs on top of the source and like, yeah, set it, it was a different layer. It wasn't layer. nearly as demoable as yeah. this one is, <laughs> which is what you don't want when you do something like this. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. We'll see what happens. We'll report back if anything funny happens to them. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it is what it is. I guess, you know, we shouldn't be that surprised with this type of stuff. It, it strikes me as similar to the world of fonts and some of these other things where people, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm sure Digital Juice knew what they were doing was wrong, but I think a lot of people reuse things like textures and these types of effects without really realizing that there is an IP component to it. Right. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure... Backgrounds you know, and... Like, I'm sure the amount of piracy of these sort of things outside of the companies is huge too. So I'm sure it's not a great market to be in. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure also that they probably don't like have a team of in-house people making all these. I'm sure they farm it out right. to contractors. And who knows if the contractors want to 
basically, you know. Because my guess is they go to like, you know, they put up some Craigslist ad and they say, you get 20 bucks of transition. Like, have at it. Yep. And uh, somebody made a decent $20 yep. <laughs> instead of a horrible $20. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, yeah, I hope that, I mean, I guess we'll just keep an eye on it. Yeah. Um, you want to talk Silk Road? Yeah, we're getting kind of long here. Yeah. I don't have any, I, I mean, the, Silk Road is this, I don't know, underground druggy website whatever that was busted. Um, I didn't really know about the existence of these secret tour sites. Yeah. So, I mean, Silk Road's always been interesting because it's the place you go to like sell your tens of thousands of credit cards you've stolen. Um, or your, you know, math or buy or, drugs or whatever. Yeah. Um, the whole thing runs through Bitcoin and what, I mean, the biggest thing, the most interesting thing i found about it was that it was based here right i was kind of assuming that we were going to find out this was like out of you know russia or you know what's that island off australia new zealand no the little <laughs> one or all the like oh um, it goes through yeah tur- a lot no whatever tur it begins with a t yeah yeah um, but no, yeah. instead they were using... It was like based in San Francisco. Right. And <laughs> apparently the deal is that with... I, I just, I've never used Tor, quite honestly. Um, but apparently like Tor has its own DNS system that doesn't resolve to actual IP addresses. And so you can sort of have a, a Tor name that, you know, you can only get to this address through Tor or something. Right. And... It's not, you can't turn it into an IP, so you can't look up where the machine actually is located. That's the part I don't get. So there's no machine hosting the site. No, there is. No, there can't be. Yeah. But that machine's logged into Tor. And so it gets traffic. Tor knows where the IP address is then. Well, a Tor endpoint does, but the way Tor works is that all traffic goes through many, many Tor hops. Okay. And so the endpoint doesn't know where the source of its request was, and the source doesn't know where it's ending up. Okay. So all data is shuffled through the system. Interesting. Um, it's a good system. We should all move to that. And then, I mean, Tor can also have these gateways that peer out to the actual internet. Internet. Right. That's how you get for yeah. you know, BitTorrent or for VPNing or something. Um, but in this case, I, I think the, the deal was that it, yeah, it wasn't used. It, you never resolved back to a public internet IP. Hmm. Interesting. Um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't know that was possible, but that's pretty awesome. And it doesn't sound like, I mean, it sounds like everything that was done to bust this guy and take down the site was based on the guy being soft skills, right? It was, you know, tracking down his forum posts and, you know, subpoenaing records and things. It wasn't that they figured out how to find the machine although yeah i wonder though well yeah it would i mean us. they yeah i mean it's already been you know they have to launder the the fbi wouldn't have access to that information legitimately so they would have to launder it through a better excuse right which we know they do i mean, I mean we know the dea does that and that's, they were involved in this too that's true so this may have been 
one we know that a NSA scoop from the NSA, which was then right. you know corroborated, and then we just forgot to mention the original scoop. One we've known for a while that the NSA at least runs endpoints. Tor endpoints. Yeah. Oh, um, interesting. Yeah, a bunch of the like, you know, fast endpoints and things turned out to be owned by various intelligence agencies. Um, and just part of the idea is that Tor by its very nature, even okay. if that's yeah. happening, means that they're not getting much from you. Right. If it, Especially if you're concerned about if having your If it actually identity. works and the encryption is secure and right. everything else. Right. Yeah. right. It's is Tor like, open source? Yeah, I think so. Okay. What, what was the old story about like the Hong Kong post office or something? I don't know anything about that. Oh, now I'm going to have to look. Um, you do your chatter or something. Okay, so my chatter is about a super quiet keyboard that I'm getting you for Christmas. Um, now, mine is about, so we were talking about 3D and the cool things you can do with 3D and whatnot. Um, like tangible 3D. Yeah. Like, like mucking around with stuff. And this would be very bad. So this is a hologram made um via this might be worse than the the laser plasma holograms for like of... being able to stick your hands around the object <laughs> because this is too just like laptop lcd displays taped back to back around a spinner and then spun really fast with some sort of linear encoder i would assume or rotary encoder so they know basically where what angle the two screens are at and then what they do is based on where it is in its you know circular arc they draw something on the screen and that's how they light up that you know so you think of a, basically a cylinder and any radial slice through it you can light up at some point in the arc of these two screens and you light it up on both sides so that you know, anywhere you're standing, you'll see this dot there in space because of persistence of vision. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, you know, it's similar to the idea that, you know, they've made things like this with corkscrews and lasers projecting on it or projectors projecting onto corkscrews. But this seems like a really, you know, maker style way of doing it. Yeah, my my biggest criticism, and I, I guess I'm not 100% clear if this is just a bad demo or the point the technology is at but the demo material was all sort of lame like it was well this is an art project this isn't like somebody's yeah but i mean I, I would have liked to have seen as proof of concept um you know something actually like because this was sort of like clouds and spinny shapes and things and and so it yeah. was hard to tell what the actual detail possible was and well yeah that's always i mean the detail is probably not great but you know I think more to the point, you're never going to get a good demo of this sort of thing through a video. Right. Like you kind of got to be there for in order for your head to kick into the like, whoa, that's not flat mode. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it looks, I don't know. I kind of want to build one. Yeah. I mean, it was, especially using off the shelf stuff, really cool. Yeah. The biggest problem is how you get a signal to a screen while it's spinning oh yeah how'd they solve that they don't say oh i didn't i mean i didn't see like a link to 
how they did it. But I assume it's, you know, I mean, with digital, there's not a ton of pins you have to do. And there are like ways to, you know, there are off the shelf components for that. Yeah. But you have to be pretty, you know, robust to get a, you know, an HDMI signal through. Yeah. But, you know, obviously they solved it. I don't know. I kind of want to make one now. Yeah. It sounds cool. It's going to teach the dog a good lesson. Oh, I'm going to put in a bell jar. Oh, okay. That'd be good. That'd be a neat looking. With um, like little a, art piece. Yeah, a little fairy floating around in it. Mm-hmm. Between Tinkerbell. Yeah. That'd be cool. That's actually what I was thinking. You could do it with, um, with air bearings or with... Uh, air bearings. Well, you could do or you could do it with like uh, magnet bearings, right? In a vacuum. Hmm. I think it still has to connect. I suppose you still need so there's power. Not, yeah, there's not a, there's not a huge advantage to that. No, you put it in a in a bell jar in a microwave. Okay. Yeah. And uh, that's doable. Yeah. Okay. Cool. My chatter this week is um, a video from Canon on shooting fireflies. We did a cool video a while back on some of their new CMOS technology shooting using just moonlight. Uh, it had never occurred to me that like filming fireflies is really hard, um, but when you think about it, it makes sense. Um, and so they have a video demoing that with their 35 mil full frame sensor, which they've been able to really crank the sensitivity up on. Um, and they have some slow motion stuff. Actually, the initial part is kind of boring because it's just little specks of pixels lighting up. But then they have a zoomed in slow motion bit showing like the firefly actually lighting up and you can see it resolved, which is pretty awesome. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, they're getting, it's pretty neat what they can do with sensors nowadays. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, very cool. Um, that was something that I was reminded of because I was up in Duluth this last weekend and was hanging out on Lake Superior at night and it was a gorgeous sky and I kind of wanted to take a photo of it, but that's the sort of thing that a a very small sensor, no matter how good it is, just is not going to work for. Yeah. Um, whereas my DSLR, I could have like set it down and taken a long exposure. So, um, Did you figure out what the Hong Kong post office is? No, but I'm going to keep looking because I know there's some okay, next time about it. And um, it may not be Hong Kong. It may not be a post office. But but there's totally an anecdote about something. There's an anecdote uh, about the internet. something somewhere related to something on the internet yes we're gonna find it okay okay i will i will let you know as soon as i check the internet okay so have a good week i'll i'll follow up okay, okay. talk to you later bye bye